Let's be honest. We don't want any more responsibility, do we? Is anyone else? I- I'm there. I'm like, do I really need more responsibility? I mean, really? And you know what the Lord says? Yeah. I've given you my spirit. And I've given you my heart. And I want you to really see people. And don't shirk their responsibility. And say, oh, it's, it's not our problem. It is our problem. Because this is God's world. And God created everybody in his image. So, brothers and sisters, don't shirk. Work. The hustle and bustle of this life can be completely overwhelming at times. For most of us, our days are planned days, if not weeks in advance. We know exactly where we're going to be and when. It's easy to walk right past that homeless person in front of Starbucks, miss the fact that that man or woman is another human being deeply loved and valued by God. Brothers and sisters, we need to shake off the slumber of the status quo and be on mission with Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of our message entitled, Jesus is on Mission. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 14 And we're going to read the famous miracle of Jesus. Next to his resurrection, this is no doubt probably the most famous of his miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. And that's, for you discerning Bible, it would be 5,000 men. So there's probably more like eight to 15,000 people there. But this is a, a miracle that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have this account And I think the reason that is, is because we don't want to miss the fact that Jesus is going to be feeding people in the wilderness with bread. And that, of course, has a long biblical lineage from Moses with the manna. You have Elijah being fed in the wilderness. You have the prophet prophet Elisha feeding people in the wilderness. And now you have Jesus, the new and better Adam, the new and better Elijah, the new and better Elisha, now feeding people with bread in the wilderness. Now, let's read it together. Matthew chapter 14, picking up in verse 13. It says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they ate 
and were filled and took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. If you've been around church at all, you've heard this miracle many times. And I want to just pull some things out of it for us to think about. Now notice first, it begins with when Jesus heard it. And really, if you look at the whole chapter, Jesus heard that Herod, the Tetrarch, heard about Jesus. Then you have this little aside about John the Baptist. So when Jesus found out that Herod, the Tetrarch, one of the leaders of the area, had heard about Jesus' ministry, notice he, in verse 13, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. So notice, Jesus heard that his ministry was now making it up to the ears of the leaders in the area. And so what does Jesus do? Does he make an appointment with Herod the Tetrarch? Does he want to go share his vision with Herod and say, listen, I'm the Messiah who is to come? No. Jesus makes a different appointment. He makes an appointment with God. He gets alone with God to get further instruction. Lord, is there anything I'm supposed to do with this? Is there anything I'm not supposed to do with this? What's supposed to happen? So Jesus goes to get away and the multitudes start to follow him. And then by the time you get to verse 14, look at what it says. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. Compassion feeds mission. Compassion feeds Mission. Jesus, God alone with his Father, prayer is seeing God. Compassion is seeing people. See, Jesus comes on out from his time with his Father and he sees this multitude and he's moved with compassion for them. That word in the Greek, it's a very vivid term. It literally means to have a gut reaction. Jesus sees them And he sees them as a sheep without a shepherd. He sees them in their brokenness and in their need. And instead of averting his eyes so he doesn't see them, he beholds them and he has a gut reaction and he begins to help them. I believe one of the biggest struggles we have in this generation, and we're blessed with all of our technology, but because we see so much media and technology, we stop getting a gut reaction for the needs of people. How many of you remember when those first images in the 80s of the children starving in Ethiopia? How many of us remember what that felt like to see those very small children with those huge bloated bellies? I I remember, it's like it's an imprint on my heart. Because we hadn't seen those type of images before. For those of you who've been around a little longer than me, you remember seeing those first images of the Vietnam War on the television. We hadn't seen those things before. And now, 40, 50 years later, they don't impact us in the same way. I remember during the beginning of the war in Iraq, when they had those embedded journalists, and I would watch CNN with a fuzzy video, watching people, I'm like, wow. But now, they don't even impact us anymore. Because we're bombarded with images. And sometimes, because of the bombardment of all of these images, we don't see. We have eyes to see, but we don't see. God really sees us. Isn't that what happened to Hagar? 
She called him El Roy, the God who sees. Every time in the Bible that Jesus is moved with compassion, it always says he saw them and then he was moved with compassion for them. So brothers, sisters, I believe we need to ask God for eyes to see afresh. That we can see people. And when we see somebody who is outside of Christ, who does not believe in Jesus, we should be, have a gut reaction. I want, if I was them, I'd want someone to come and tell me about Jesus. When we find out about somebody who is starving, we should say, if I were them, I would want someone to come and bring me some food. If someone is without medical care, we should say, if I were them, I would want somebody to come and help me with that. Compassion feeds mission. God's mission for the church is that we see people and we say, if I were them, what would I want someone to do for me? And where do I get that from? I get that from the golden rule. Treat others as you would want them to what? Treat you. So if you were starving because you live in a country that doesn't have the natural resources, doesn't have clean water, we, would say, we should say, if I were them, just by nature of where they were born, I'd want someone to come and help me. This is why we believe in seeing clean water all over the world, because not only do we have access to clean water, we have all sorts of ways to clean our water. We have ionized water. We have distilled water. We have natural spring water. We have tap water that's already clean, and then we have additional filtrations that we use on it. We're blessed. Do you realize that over 2 billion people in the world do not have clean water? That little kids are going to freestanding water and drinking it, and it's causing deaths of children all over the world? See, we do that because compassion says, if my little children were there, I'd want someone who had the means and the ways to do this to come and help. Because compassion feeds mission. Jesus saw their needs, and he was moved with compassion for them. And he started to heal their sick. Now look at what happens next. In verse 15, it says, When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now you notice what's going on here. This has been going on. Jesus has been healing everyone. The apostles have been along for the ride. And he started looking at their watches. And no doubt their stum stomachs probably started growling. And they said, man, it's getting late. There's all these people. Jesus, send them away. They need to go into the villages. They need to go take care of themselves. And look what Jesus says to them. I mean, Jesus is crazy sometimes. He says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. What does this teach us? Brothers, sisters, don't shirk work. Don't shirk work. The disciples didn't want to deal with it. They're like, let them go take care of themselves. They're big people. They have the means. They wanted to get rid of the work. And Jesus says, listen, they don't need to go away. You feed them. I was talking to someone just this week. If God is so loving, why is there people starving in the world? I'm like, well, I'm like, how about we look at it this way? There's more than enough food for everybody. But the food isn't equally distributed. I'm like, my question would be, if you're so concerned about it, what are you doing to help people who are starving? 
because we have more than enough food on our side of the equator and our side of the world. More than enough. And if you don't believe me, just go to Costco after service. We have, go to Safeway. We have more than enough. So it's not that God in creating the world didn't create enough food for everybody. There's more than enough. And so often when you, we look at the needs of the world, we want to say, oh, that's someone else's problem. Send, send them away. Let them, they can do it themselves. And Jesus says, no, no, they don't need to go nowhere. You feed them. And I'll be honest with you, this, this one sentence from Jesus absolutely freaks me out on a, on, a, on a heart level because what he's saying, what he's saying to you and I is saying, look, I want you to be on mission. That's what he's saying. Don't dismiss it. Don't shirk your responsibility. Don't send them away. You take care of them. And brothers, sisters, I know many of us, many of us are learning how to do this on a daily basis now. We are saying, look, God has blessed me. How can I be a blessing? I'm not going to try and push away responsibility. Instead, I'm going to I'm going to grab hold of it. I'm going to try and help. Because I believe that when we go to Jesus, Lord, why isn't, why isn't these things happening? The Lord says, well, because what are you doing about it? I be- That's the way God speaks. God says, look, you're worried about this? Then be part of the solution. What are you doing about it? But you know what? Let's be honest. We don't want any more responsibility, do we? Is anyone else? I- I'm there. I'm like, do I really need more responsibility? I mean, Really? And you know what the Lord says? Yeah. I've given you my spirit. And I've given you my heart. And I want you to really see people and don't shirk their responsibility and say, oh, it's, it's not our problem. It is our problem. Because this is God's world. And God created everybody in his image. So brothers and sisters, don't shirk. Work. I know it's interesting. If they'd remembered the miracle of the, Cana, uh, of the wine in Cana that we saw last week, John chapter 2, they should have just asked Jesus to meet the need. Shouldn't have they? I mean, Jesus turned water into wine. He should have been like, well, Lord, it's late, but you want to get us some food, Lord? And you know, what, you know what happens when we start asking Jesus to do things? He starts doing things. Say, Lord, we want to fix this thing. We see that it's a problem. We're moved with compassion. We want to fix this thing. Lord, what do you want to do? And then all of a sudden, things start happening. Things start happening. But we need to make sure we're not trying to push off the responsibility that God has given us. The disciples didn't want to deal with it. They were like, man, just let them go away. And Jesus says, no, 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 you take care of them. Now look at what happens in verse 17. Then they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Now, notice this. The disciples are a little freaked out because they don't have a whole lot going for them. They're like, this is a huge multitude and there's five loaves and two fish. In one of the other gospels, it tells us that they were barley loaves. Now, barley loaves were a, a cheaper, more coarse type of a loaf. It wasn't like an artisan bread or something like that. It was more of like the Wonder Bread stuff of that day. And five loaves and two fish... You know, in that region, in the Galilee region, that was the common staple food of the poorest of people because the Sea of Galilee was there. They go fishing on the sea. Making bread wasn't very, very hard. So the disciples are focused on their lack. But Jesus says, bring them here 
to me? What does this teach us? That we need to bring what we have to Jesus. Bring what you have to Jesus. See, so often in the way God works, God reframes the way we're looking at things. He, he changes the way we see it. The disciples, we got five loaves and two fish. What's that going to do with some six, 10, 15, 20,000 people? And Jesus just says, just bring it to me. Bring it to me. And I believe that that's what God wants to do in our lives. Because when we look at ourselves, when we look at our circumstances, our lack of means, we always say, well, what can I really do? What can I do? And Jesus would say, just bring what you have to me. I think of Mother Teresa. I love that little lady. She's rough. Every time I read her, I'm like, man, I'm getting roughed up by a little short Albanian lady who took a vow of poverty. She roughs me up because she says things like, if you want to feed 100 people, start with just one. You're like, okay. Because it's so simple. It's like... you say, look, I, I want to see the gospel go get out to, to three billion people who've never even heard it. What do I do? And the Lord's just like, well, just pray. Maybe just take a trip over there. Maybe do an internet search and see who's working over there and start praying for them. Get on their newsletter list. See, we're so busy being like, I can never go over there and I can't speak whatever language and I'm really, I don't really look good in a burqa and all this stuff. It's not really, doesn't really match me. So what can I do? And the Lord's just like, no, 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 listen. Just bring it to me, whatever you got. Whatever you got, just bring it to me. Because you know what happens? When we bring our lack to Jesus, he does extraordinary things. When you and I bring our lack to Jesus, extraordinary things happen. Look at verse 19. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the multitudes. Here we go. When you bring the little you have to Jesus, Jesus takes, blesses, breaks, and then gives. Jesus takes, blesses, breaks, and then gives. These four verbs, take, bless, break, and give, occur in all six accounts of the miraculous feedings, both the 5,000 in the four gospel and the two gospels that also have the feeding of the 4,000, as well as the Emmaus meal and all four accounts of the Last Supper, including the one in Paul in 1 Corinthians. Same four verbs. Because Jesus takes, he blesses, he breaks, and then he gives. This is a spiritual principle for us. Jesus takes us, our lives. He takes us and he blesses us with his spirit. If you're here today and you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, he's taken you to be his own and he's given you his spirit. If you're in here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, God wants to take you and he wants to bless you with his spirit. He wants to bless you with his presence. And I believe that you're here today because that's what you really want. You're saying, I want God to take me for his own. I want to be blessed with his spirit. But once God blesses, God breaks us. That doesn't sound pretty at all. 
But what's interesting is life will break you either way. It's just a matter of are you a stallion who's wild, who gets broken to be a trophy-winning racehorse, or are you a wild stallion that gets broken only to be put to sleep? Life breaks everybody. It's just a matter, is that breaking purposeful for God's glory, or is that breaking for the diminishment of God's purposes in your life? And so many of us can testify of the fact that life breaks all of us. It's just a matter of how and why. And I'm here to tell you that we want, you want, I want to be broken under the mighty hand of the great refiner who in the breaking process allows the impurities to come to the surface so that he can purify. That's how God breaks a person. He doesn't do it because God just enjoys crushing you. He does it because he wants the impurities to rise to the surface and so he can take them away. And listen, a good wine is never made by whole grapes. Those grapes need to be crushed. Potpourri never smells good unless those spices are crushed. A beautiful plant never grows unless a seed crushes. This is a, a natural principle. It's a natural principle, but it has spiritual implications for us. Jesus wants to take you. He wants to bless you. Then he breaks you so he can do what? So he can give us out. See, if you're here right now and you're in the middle of the breaking process, it's not for no reason. God breaks you so that he can distribute you more widely. Can you imagine if Jesus just took... Five loaves and two fish gave one loaf to one guy, one loaf to the other guy, five people, and this gave the two fish. Only seven people eat. That's it. Seven people, five with loaves, two with fish. But Jesus, by taking it and blessing it and breaking it, now he's going to distribute it, and more than 5,000 people are going to be satisfied. And this is God's purpose in changing us. This is his purpose. So that God can distribute you more widely to the world. Without that breaking process, it's impossible. It's impossible. No doubt, Jesus, in his blessing, probably prayed that traditional Jewish blessing over the bread. Blessed art thou, O Lord, our God, King of the universe, who bringest forth bread from the earth. But I'm here to tell you today, brother, sister, seeker, friend, Jesus wants to take you and bless you. And by blessing you, he breaks you so that he can give you out. And that's the same for me. But I know there's someone here, I don't want to be broken by Jesus. In, in the book of Daniel, it, or Jesus actually said it, referencing the book of Daniel, he said, whoever falls on this stone will be broken. But on whoever this stone falls, he will be ground into powder. Jesus is real. You may be listening today and feel like you don't have anything to offer God. You could never be someone like Pastor Daniel Fusco, pastoring a church of thousands. Well, Daniel exhorted us today to bring what we have to Jesus. Remember, Jesus is able to take what we have, bless it, break it, multiply it, and then give it to those that he loves. 
just like he did with the loaves and fish. The question is, are you willing? Pastor Daniel covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review? You can listen to today's message again by logging on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at JesusIsRealRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Jesus Is Real Radio is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at JesusIsRealRadio.com. None of us like the breaking part of the Christian life. Many times it can be painful as God does that work of humility in our lives. And so often we resist it. Next time as Pastor Daniel concludes the sixth part of this series entitled, Because Jesus is Real, we'll learn that Jesus longs to take us, break us, and give us away in His name. This sort of life is the only life that brings true satisfaction in this existence. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Jesus Is Real Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in. Until next time, may the Lord bless.